five, I almost said best of three. We're back from Houston, Texas, where we had some Texas showdown. I didn't even see you in Houston, Texas. Bro, I was there. Only on Sunday? I saw, no, I was there all three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. What? I saw Tommy. Okay. He, uh, he helped you out. He said you got uh, 17th, tied for 17th in Dragon Ball. Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> I don't even think that's true, but um, I appreciate that. Before we go any further, shout outs to Die 1000 Deaths and Die by Sword for the subs. And this is not as good a time as any to introduce our co-hosts with the co-most. Steve, Ace King Offsuit Jerk in the Blue Azure, and John, Velociraptor Guerrero. He writes for Event Hubs. Do you know about that? With the co- Did you say co-most? Yeah, with the co-most. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, you and me, we have the co-most among I'm, all I'm, of us. I'm Between the two of <laughs> you, y'all got like 50% most uh, between the two of you. Um, all right, guys, then on the show, We'll be talking about Texas Showdown. We'll be giving you recaps. Steve's going to force us to talk about the great esports Twitter war of the FGC of 2018. Um, I personally can't wait. And, um, John, you wrote another article about Nicki Minaj? Yeah, I didn't want to, but she came out with another stupid video. We can talk about it if you really want to, but I'm just going to say that the actually same happened? I was just kidding. We really want to. We really want to. I pulled that out of my ass, John. Did you really write another article about Nicki Minaj? She came out with another music video. I'm not kidding. And, wow. and yes, I wrote it's another. A mus- it's the music video for the song we talked about. So yeah, it's, it's the same. It's the same one. It's the uh, extension. <laughs> Got him. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, the Capcom Pro Tour and their point structure. We had a, I guess maybe conflicting isn't the right word, but Michael Martin came out and. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty conflicting. Well, uh, I'm conflicted myself about it, but uh, Martin, Michael Martin came out in a Wake Up Wednesday official Capcom Pro Tour esports video and uh, explained to us what it's all about. Uh, Steve, you still with us? John, you still with us? Great. Yes. Uh, and we've got a couple of things to talk about. So, why don't we get started with, first, let me pull it up, the recap. Uh, let's do that. Uh, let's kick off with the event that everyone was talking about. Episode 3 of E-League, The Challenger. Uh, Damn it. <laughs> if, if you wanted to watch it live, you had to stay up till like 1 or 2 in the morning because this came on after a Star Wars marathon. Uh, <laughs> hey, you up. know what? Did you just watch all of Star Wars? Just you waiting. Wanna, you want to watch next? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh man, Rama in this topped anything in in either trilogy. So uh, there was a three v three team challenge. Uh, there were only five players left, so they brought in a, a ringer, Lupe Fiasco. Uh, he picked a team. Guilty, who won last week's challenge, picked a team. Uh, they had a three v three, and uh, Team Lupe won. So JB won the battle between the two players who won. So he got immunity. He sent Guilty to the elimination match. Guilty selected Dayasha, and it was uh, 5-0. I don't know why that still says Sherry Jennings, but Guilty, a 5-0 win over Dayasha, uh, 10 rounds straight. So I am so excited now that it's getting down to the nitty-gritty to see who's going to win this thing. I'm just yeah, we're uh, almost at the I point where everyone it. left knows how to play. We're almost there. <laughs> well, ne- well, next week they're going to go um, to a yoga session with goats. Oh, wow. Oh, sick. You know, now here's what here's what would happen if I were running this show. 
I would make next week's challenge for immunity a handshake challenge because Guilty is really good at those. If she, if she gets immunity, then JB and Jesse have to play each other, and one of the people that are supposed to win will lose, and then it's interesting. I'm more interested in what the hell's going on. I've seen this baby goat yoga shit. Um, you literally do yoga. No wrong with that. And then they throw baby goats in the pen with you, and they're like hopping off of you, jumping over you, just generally like walking around you, and probably taking little goat dumps around you. Why would anybody want that? I don't understand what the benefit to the yoga, the overall yoga experience is. Mike, you're an expert on yoga. What do you think? Well, I've done yoga a few times. (laughs) Um, Never with goats, but I can imagine that it's probably about the same. (laughs) Except for there's goats. A little more distracting, I guess. If you're just tuning in, this is the uh, best of five. We're talking about baby goat yoga and Infinity War spoilers. Have you seen it yet, by the way? I've seen it, bro. Shit, ah, well, then no. it's not it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Boo. It's pretty good. Um, all right. So we were talking about baby goat yoga. <laughs> now, Steve, can you take us back to this recap, please? Uh, yeah, let's go to the tournaments that most of our chat is excited about. Uh, starting with the Capcom Pro Tour. Uh, EU had its first online event this past weekend. Um, It was for the Western EU, uh, and it was won by Phenom, the man who's killing it over in Europe, uh, taking it over Broski in the grand final. If you look at the sponsor names uh, in front of all these players, and if you've been watching the Gfinity Elite Series, all of them are going to be familiar because all of them were part of uh, Gfinity. Everyone in top eight. 13 of the top 16 finishers uh, were in the Gfinity Elite Series this season. So, and, and, and that's off. why, that's probably why none of them are all that familiar to me. Oh, oh, oh zing, got him. That, that's going to be something we'll talk about a little later on. Uh, good weekend for Phenom as well, because he was also named the Player of the Season uh, in Gfinity after going undefeated in that competition. Uh, let's take it over to the event you guys were at, Texas Showdown, uh, the offline <coughs> CPC event of the weekend, and it was a hell of a grand final, mm-hmm. uh, but it was Mena RD taking it over the best sponsor of all time, My Wallet Knuckledoo. Is that, are you waiting for, like, a pause for yeah. laughter or applause? Yeah, no, I yeah. used to sign up as Mom Velociraptor to say my mom was my sponsor. I thought that was a pretty good one, too. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one, John. Yeah. Shouts to your mom. Shouts to your mom. <laughs> so, anyway, um, it was hype as fuck. Uh, the grand finals was, the, the room was packed. The energy was definitely, it was pumping. Um, I tried to send myself some videos from my phone that I took, um, and I failed except for one. Uh, and I'll play it later. Cool story, right? Yeah. That's the Is there anything else you can glean from this results page here? Um, you see a good weekend for Chris T making top six. Uh, Ricky Ortiz as well. Few names that we haven't seen make deep runs as of late. Uh, Chris T, Ricky, or um, Chris T actually won the Latin American event, but hasn't done all that well recently in the U.S., so good to see him up there. Look how many points uh, they got for it. Yeah. Uh, Punk and Snake Eyes. After outlasting Justin Wong, Kaba, Alex Myers, Alex Valle, they each get one point. Um, and we'll, we'll be discussing that as well a little later on. We just got one Whatever these Twitch bits. diamonds things got are, one bits. Bit for we got the one, one bit, point, which is worth more than one Capcom Cup point. It is probably worth more. 
Yeah. So. <laughs> Thinking himself, Jay. Can I? Can I say something that that actually contributes to the conversation? That while we have this screen up, um, seeing yeah, 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 you know, watching, we haven't seen a ton of Snake Eyes as of late. He did really well, won CEO last year, made it to Capcom Cup, but like the dude has not been around, at least not to the degree that we've seen him, and like towards the end of Street Fighter Four when he was one of the absolute best in the business, right? Still, an, still a great player. Um, now we have Abigail and all that he, you know, we've talked about him at length, and though he's been toned down, he's still the Abigail that- Snake like, Eyes you know, thinks that Abigail sucks. I Well, that's the thing. We, we saw Snake Eyes bring out uh, uh, Akuma, Geef, and eventually Abigail I, 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 in top eight. I don't know if he did it beforehand, but here's the thing. Considering, like, I've played Snake many times, and he's such a good player with with reads and understanding what your what his opponent wants to do. Similar to like what we've seen with Mena, Mena's kind of taken Snake's place in that regard a little bit because I figure, man, Snake with Abigail, where you just make the read and it really, really counts when you do it right. That should have been like a match made in heaven, and he should be running Street Fighter Five right now, even with toned down Abigail. Um, but like that's not quite what we're seeing, and I was very sad to see that. And, and then he switched away, went to like Akuma and things like that. And I just think that there's a future with Snake Eyes and Abigail. I don't know if you guys agree or not, but I still think Abigail sucks. <laughs> I, I honestly 100% believe that, and I think he's, he's going to do he's terribly still all year. Doing really well in tournaments, though. Like he's not as good as he was, but he was way the hell up there. There's so, really only know. Kubo dominating at this point, and I think he's he's. The, well, we'll see. I don't know. You you don't think that. You know, a couple of character specialists might rise up if they decided to give it time. You don't think that Snake Eyes, with his play style, could just do amazing with Abigail nope. or Birdie? Someone in the chat just said Birdie, um, and I'm like, yeah, that that makes sense too. Just make those reads. So I don't know. That's we'll all see. I have to say about that. And, and we'll probably talk about Texture Showdown more here in a little bit uh, after the recap. But one thing that I was super excited to see was the breadth of talent. Because, you know, or at least the early narrative was like, damn, these ranking events ain't worth cheese. Um, so will people show up to them? And, yeah, they came in, in force, and there was a lot of heavy hitters there, and it was great to see. Now, it is kind of seeming like, based on the people who are consistently doing well, that the cutoff for points will be a lot lower than last year, just because they are consistently going to the same people over and over and over again. But that could obviously change. You're saying all yeah. the hikes... Are we still going? Yeah, okay. All the points will be in the hands of a few, so like, you know, 32nd won't actually need that many points because they've all been gathered up at first and second. I mean, and if Mena, who's already qualified, any points that he gets are just eaten up. Yeah, right. And much. he just took first place points at a ranking event, uh, and those 150 points are just gone, you know? So, so yeah, I think that that's a very legitimate um, argument to make. It's kind of interesting, right? Because there's like, even if you're at the top, you still go to events because there's still money on the line. Yeah. So those people will never stop going because they're already qualified. Does, does anybody know what first place uh, Tixshudan got? No idea. For... No, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry Money-wise? Uh, no. Yeah, the purse. Not sure. I Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, bits. I it, it could be. Um, I do want to say, though, that there's a possibility that not only could there be another patch later on this season that changes things, but at, we saw last season... We had a few names dominate early, and then some of them either slipped down or stopped putting as much focus on attending events once their position in Capcom Cup was secure. Um, so I don't necessarily think that it's guaranteed that we'll see um, 
that we'll see the same names dominate over and over and over again for the length of the season. That may be the case now, but I, I think the cutoff, the trend in the cutoff line is going to increase um, a little faster than it is right now. That's true. And it's, it's kind of interesting, right? Because like we're talking about Snake Eyes coming back. Less than a year ago, Snake Eyes won Combo Breaker. Like he won first place over Knuckle Dew. It's just it's just interesting how fast events appreciate and like depreciate in importance in our minds at this point, and especially it's yeah. like a different seasons, a different universe. And I mean, the schedule, especially this year, is going to be so uh, backloaded. You know, we've got two premieres this month in Stunfest and Combo Breaker, uh, and then you've got CEO and obviously Evo later in. But you look at September; there's five premiere events. Wow that month alone you've Jeez. got two more in october so there's going to be a lot oh, of sorry, movement CEO. towards the end of the season mm-hmm. yeah ceo now, as well in july just, just to qualify something i think For i get you. what you're saying here steve but just just to be safe when you say that there's a possibility that there might be another patch um that would shuffle things up like that's just like yeah i mean it's not completely unheard of but there's been no word or, or inclination that leads us right. to believe that like that's going to be probably on the horizon right just to, to put it in perspective for people right but we're you know there's nothing that says it's going to happen but there's always that possibility right that's fair yeah and then javi in chat said that uh first place got 1500 so shout mm-hmm. outs to javi who by the way who uh lead organizer of texas showdown so congratulations so on the great event he, he'd, he'd have some idea we're yeah. going to talk about Texas Showdown as an event later, right? We don't have to. Yeah, yeah, we'll save okay, our questions cool. for there. Then I will save it for then. But thank you, Hoppy. All right, back All to right. them recaps. What you say? Yep. So, with both of those in the uh, book, let's take a look at the global standings for the Capcom Pro Tour. Uh, you see that not a whole lot of shifting in the top five, uh, but you now have two Dominican players in the global top ten. Kaba uh, in number seven, Mena RD in number eight, uh, Chris T just outside the top ten. Uh, and then you look at that log jam uh, between... 25th and 27th with just 10 points separating uh eight players so we will see we'll we'll see more separation once more points are introduced uh with more events but as of right now it's a log jam for those final spots hey right now those one points are are the difference between a lot of slots huh they are they really are i mean i'm not kidding not to mention the pride yes pride and accomplishment uh that was not the only uh, event at Texas Showdown. It was also a stop on the Tekken World Tour, a challenger event there. Uh, and once again, it's an event on American soil, so you know Anakin's going to do some work. He took it over speed kicks in the grand final. Uh, Shadow 20Z, what a run for him. You know, this is a player on the come up. He had a tremendous, he almost, he, he only lost to the two people in grand finals. He almost beat Anakin to make top eight, and then he uh, lost uh, to speed kicks in losers finals, and both of those were by one game. He lost 2-1 and 3-2, so big weekend for him. Uh, You see uh, Core, excuse me, making top eight, the legend returning to the game, so good to see that as well. If I'm not mistaken, I haven't seen that guy in a while. He's from Houston. uh, Those deep blue eye color contacts. (laughs) The anime hair. It's good to see him in there. He's doing well. 
had to defend home turf. So now if we take a look at the global standings for the Tekken World Tour, uh, you see the top five still the same, but Anakin making the move all the way up to sixth. You also have Shadow20Z, Joey Fury, and P-Lang in the top 20 as well. Uh, let's take a quick peek at the Dragon Ball Fighters tournament at Texas Showdown, and it was a rampage for Chris G., taking it over Hook Gang God and everybody in his way. Chris G ended up undefeated the entire time, did not drop a game, 18-0. and 0. Ridiculous run uh, for him. Donka, uh, commentary on that? On Chris G? Yeah. I mean, he, he, he was extremely dominant. A few, of those, a few of those wins were very close. He made several full last character Vegeta comebacks, which the whole weekend it seemed like no one could touch his character. And literally no one did. No one ever killed his Vegeta wow. the entire weekend. So he... <laughs> um, oh, go ahead, Finn. He He's, like, really brought his, like, slow, methodical style to the game in a way that no one else really has. He, he's very commonly running away and doing almost nothing and letting people kill themselves, which is not a strategy we've really seen other people other people using. So it's interesting to see that he can make it work his own way. Um, we were talking about this, the uh, the Event Hubs guys and I were talking about Chris G winning and, and not losing a single game at this, uh, or, or a single uh, set at Texas Showdown. And then, so you kind of put that in the wider perspective of what's going on in Dragon Ball Fighters right now. And, and keep in mind that the earlier stages of a game are gonna be incredibly volatile. Everyone's gonna think that Android 16's the best character, and then lo and behold, maybe not quite so much. Everyone thinks Wesker's broken, but then it turns out he's maybe A minus tier, you know, back in Marvel 3, for instance. Um, but, uh, so, so you go, well, Chris G was like behind Sonic Fox, and then Sonic Fox was behind, of course, Goichi, who's the absolute best and still very much is. And then you got like Goichi's like training partners that are probably just underneath him and probably give Sonic Fox a run for his money. So it feels like uh, Chris G is probably in that like third tier of of Dragon Ball players if you were to break him up that way. Um, but he may be dominating that right now, and I think the next kind of big after this weekend's performance the next kind of big step for Chris G would be to take on Sonic Fox, like meet him in tournament, do an exhibition, whatever. But if he could do that, I think he's kind of poised hey, to start to become here. like one of those big names that you talk about um, as, as like separated from the rest of the group. And that's kind of Chris G's style too. He might not be the absolute best when a game first, first comes out, but the dude obviously knows how to play fighting games um, and, and at an incredibly high level and he will get steam and he will be uh, almost always relevant if he sticks with something. So it's going to be interesting to see where he kind of lands, but I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see a shuffle where Chris G begins to threaten, you know, Sonic Fox's status and things like that. Definitely. I and mean, he also improved his team a little bit since, like, when he was playing at final round and stuff, he dropped uh, one of his lower tier characters for one of the top tier characters. So made a lot of difference in the world. It, it looks like it did make quite a large difference as far as his play style goes. So, um, I, I really think that he might not only be able to take on Sonic Fox, but anyone. So, Dang. you know, Summit's going to be pretty interesting because you're going to see these people not only play, you know, once in a tournament bracket, which isn't always indicative, but you're going to see them play the whole weekend. So I think, as John said, we'll have a way better idea of where people actually are. Mm. I'll tell you where I'm and at, I th Steve. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Shout out to Pew Zero for the sub. Thank you. It's also interesting to note that uh, we're not too far away from the kickoff of the second season of the Injustice Pro Tour. 
or the Injustice Pro series, excuse me. So um, it could be possible that whatever, however much time Sonic Fox de- decides to devote to uh, labbing up for that uh, takes away from his time in uh, DBFZ. So. Well, a lot of the uh, best Injustice players have actually gone over. Toxin, Theo, Sonic Fox yeah. all seem to be maining Dragon Ball at this point. So it'll be interesting to see how much they focus, yeah, back, as you said. Uh, one more I, note. I'm not sure if it's on the rundown. We, was the was Goichi on the rundown, and what happened to him? No, and, why don't you hit us with it? Uh, hey, just on the topic of Dragon Ball. There was a bit of drama in Japan where basically Goichi had heard through the grapevine that people were saying that tournaments were more fun without him in Kansai. because and, so and they did. He actually, he actually got really upset about it and said that he was wondering about not entering. And oh, he got God. a lot. He got a big outcry of support from American players, and basically, <sighs> it seems like he cares again. But I mean, it's just interesting to hear that. Can you imagine? Well, he, God, I wish Donkey wouldn't go to my locals. And well, I can't. Not go. For me, it's just interesting the way people take things differently. Because if someone said like, "Mike, you're ruining Dragon Ball for all of America," I'd be like, "Hell yeah! Like we're gonna, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna ruin get on it. my level, right? Like, I'm gonna go to every tournament <laughs> and just ruin it." And, yeah. like, mock them, while you, like, taunt them while you're playing and stuff like that, right? And then take their money. Yeah. Yeah. He's something like 96 and 1 in tournament sets. And his only loss game. is to, like, his closest training partner and teammate. Yeah. Yeah. And, that and was he that ended up winning round. the tournament and anyway. He, yeah. He <laughs> ran it back. Hey, he uh, didn't even get the run back. Sh- 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 I'm sorry. Just a quick shout to Beats by Noel Brown. Um, he just subbed. And he's been uh, subbing, if I'm not For mistaken. For the 80th month in a For row. seven months in a row. Thank you. Thank you, Beats. Um, Love that guy. <laughs> all right, but that's ridiculous. I'm glad you brought that up. I hadn't heard that, and it just seems so insane to me. Well, I mean, he, he seems to have gotten over it. I guess I can understand that like, it, it might feel a little bit lonely if everyone's hating on you for actually showing up to tournaments. He, he did win KSB, Heavy which the was crown. the Japanese major. Uh, a Ginyu player got second, which yeah. was interesting. It's very rare that you see that character at all. Okay. So... Put a pin in it because we're not done with this um, with this recap. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Oh, did I? Oh, uh, what do we have? Case? Well, whatever. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Texas Showdown was more than just those three games. There was a whole lot going on. Um, you see the list of winners for the official tournaments, uh, including Base taken at home in KI, uh, Stealth winning Infinite, uh, Silent Scope qualifying for the Tournament of Legends. Uh, by winning the Super Turbo event there. Uh, and then you also had Team Austin winning the Texas Regional Woo! 3v3. So uh, Magneto 1080p, <laughs> Rylander. for me, man. I was loving it. Tommy Two-Step. You guys get – everybody in the studio gets to ride on their coattails. So. Yeah, even Duncan trying to get in on that uh, victory speech at the last second. They cut away from you, dog. You hadn't earned that. You didn't earn that. <laughs> but I'm Donka. That's a team I would have been on a week ago. Uh, were it not for me quitting the game. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. No, I thought that was hilarious. Um, if you haven't watched that, even though you're not from Texas, it was a fun tournament. You should go back and watch it. Hey, I noticed you uh, skipped over the Windjammers results. Uh, yeah, because the winner of Windjammers was a total fraud. <laughs> you know, I ran into uh, you know Benji, King of Fighters player. He had some King of Fighters players from Mexico in town. Uh, and he was telling me, I was like, he competed in the Windjammers tournament. He was telling me, and this I thought was hilarious, that people don't use the top tier characters because it gets too technical. Like everybody sticks with the mid tier characters, like gentlemen's rules, uh, to make the game still enjoyable and competitive, <laughs> which I think is, that's interesting. 
Um, all right. What else are you taking to uh, taking us, Steve? Uh, let's go to Japan for KBO, uh, K, uh, KSB, a.k.a. KBO cross TSB. Uh, this is an annual anime tournament that's a uh, crossover between KBO and Team Stickbug. Uh, you had Goichi, as we talked about, going undefeated again in Dragon Ball Fighter to get that win. Uh, Yuki taking infinite. Uh, you also had Varios winning in Ultimate Marvel 3. Uh, Angelic was actually out there, and he made uh, top six in that tournament as well. Um, they had a bunch of 2v2 and 3v3 tournaments as well so it was a good weekend for omito he won the singles tournament in uh, guilty gear and he also won the team tournament alongside rookie and tomo so good weekend for him good weekend for a lot of players um, go ahead as a small note i mean uh yuki also known as cyber agent japan it's kind of interesting if we'll ever get to see he seems to be the best marvel infinite player Yuki. He completely dominated everyone when they came for Evo Japan. He dominated everyone at this tournament, and he dominated U.S. players who came as well. So, like, the question is, will will there ever be a point where we get to see Cyber Agent Japan, a.k.a. Yuki, play against the top American players? Will we ever see Marvel Infinite rise from the ashes like a phoenix? Because Evo would have been the chance for that. But at this point, as a side tournament, like, and I don't even think it's getting stage time. I mean, who knows? It will be uh, part of the community side tournament uh, top four. They just announced that not too long ago. So there will be stream time for that game. Okay. So maybe he will come. We'll see. All right. Uh, what we got left, pal? Let's close it off with the one that everyone has been waiting for in our chat. <laughs> uh, Smash Summit 6. Hmm. Uh, this was, if you're not familiar with the Smash Summit uh, this weekend was sort of a taste of what to expect for uh, some of the power. Uh, some surprising results. Mewtwo King, uh, one of the gods, but not the top god. He is your champion, taking it over Armada. Uh, Zane with an incredible run uh, to third place. He, got, he beat both Mango and Plup in the bracket. Uh, you had uh, Mango finishing tied for seventh. You had AMSA, good weekend for him. So a lot of surprising results if you're into, uh, if you followed the Melee scene. Uh, pretty good tournament to check out. And that is it for our recap. Many, many moons ago at an Evo, I heard people booing Hungrybox Hungry for playing lame, and I never watched another match of Melee. Well, it's kind of interesting, right? This was considered a big weekend because he didn't win. Like, his play is that despised that any tournament he doesn't win is considered like a victory for their scene. <laughs> it's honestly insane. Like how, how important that was. Not only that, but the Zane guy, like for, for people to beat any of the gods is like so insanely rare that for him to do it multiple times in a weekend was, uh, was a big deal for them. So, you don't think uh, a whole country told him it's not fun when you go to tournaments, and maybe he got. His well, they do that to Hungry Box like every week. He <laughs> yeah, said they're a lot meaner than that. I heard. Didn't he have like some tweet yeah. once? Where... He, I actually feel a little bit bad for. Yes, he gets, and I've heard. I've heard. I don't know anything about the guy personally. Really, I've heard conflicting things, but the shit he gets is just wild. Yeah, I heard somebody like stopped him in public. I was like, "Hey, are you Hungry Box? Go fuck yourself." Yeah, no, I mean, it's, <laughs> no, it's like it's like every, his, his Twitter is just. Filled with, if you like search at Hungrybox, it's just people telling him bad things. It's it's 
It's a little sad, honestly. Hey, shout-outs to uh, Smain.com for the 444 bits and Dumperoni for the 100 bits. <laughs> really grateful for those. Um, all right, so we have still have plenty of topics to go through. Do we want to talk about Texas Showdown? I would like to. Then let's talk about it. Um, it was great. Uh, the venue was neat. Oh, I got a new, I'm debuting a new sticker. Check it out, guys. Look at this thing. Got a little cameo right there. Got her at Texas Showdown. Oh, cool. That is, um, that is and, uh, and quite you. For, for you uh, fans at home, or viewers, can't call you fans, um, you'll, you guys will know that this cami is for the incoming baby girl that will be arriving in our family soon, Camila. So that's who that is. Right? You know what's crazy? We just, in our, in our scene, we just had um, one of our players, uh, he and his girlfriend just had a baby, and her name is Kemi as well. Oh, cool. Well, uh, Efren right. stole it. Yeah, I stole yeah, it. Yeah, you're not original, by the way. God, why couldn't my baby come early? All right, so um, moving on. Sorry, I'm not original. Sorry, Cammy. Um, <laughs> whoops, did I delete something I needed? I sure did. Uh, no, Texas Showdown. The venue was cool. It was a new venue. I think it was the first year in that venue. It looked like a fancy-ass ballroom with nice chandeliers and everything. Um, you know, you actually competed in the tournament, as well as commentated, which I want to talk about later. Um, how did you feel about the competition setups and the way that the pools were running all it that. was ran really well to be honest i have almost no complaints whatsoever um you know things were on time which is like becoming like it, it's honestly rare for events to be on time if they're not kind of like a you know jabaley slash uh rick event and this was totally on time everything was great um the venue was cold i mean almost too cold is way better than too hot so i can't complain about that the venue is properly aired there was plenty of space um any, anything I say bad about it would be a nitpick. It was awesome. And I think from what I heard, it was great from Streamland as well. So great event. Glad to have it, it in looks, Texas. From, from the Stream Monster point of view, it looked really well. Like like the uh, level up handled a lot of the uh, technical stuff, right? The stream. And it, it was, you know, to the point where it felt kind of like an e-sportsy event, you know, where, where things were regulated. Don't you dare, uh, John. Well, it's important for the point I want to make later. So... <laughs> But no, it, it did. It came across as very professional, well done, done by people that know what they're doing, and and I'm excited for that because it feels like that is becoming more and more the standard, the expectation, and the the sooner that that can happen, where it's like we're not having like tournament, you know, brackets start super late and things go down all the time and whatnot. That I mean, the sooner we can move on to bigger and better things. So um, I think it was James Chen that said that like this Texas showdown was a return to like the former glory that Texas showdown once was, insinuating that there was like I guess uh, some recent years where it hasn't been as awesome as it has been before. Um, and I don't know the details there. I think you guys probably would know a little bit better than I would. But um, yeah, it, all in all, it was a good event. Um, I apparently both on site and from watching from the stream. There was yeah, I mean there was the the bad years just to specify were under a different. A different tournament organizer and it's good that yeah. people were willing to you know put that aside and, and realize that Javi as a new organizer had no real ties to that and it's it's mm -hmm. concrete y'all ever seen Godfather 3 every time I think I'm out they pull me back in <laughs> well somebody <laughs> put a pool in the shitter and uh, then you needed to get Javi back in there um, so uh, yeah it was super hype it just just uh, to clarify if I'm not mistaken uh, level up uh, Alex Vi and his crew and Jimmy Wynn uh, did the you know they were on there with the cameras and all that work but if I'm not mistaken it was Panda's new outfit at a Frisco Texas with that new eSports money uh, that put on 
the actual set, the screens, the 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 stage setup, and everything. I have one huge nitpick, and I hope that everybody who was a part of this production is listening. Why can't you put one goddamn light on Ginny, the presenter? <laughs> one light on oh, her, dude. She's yeah. giving impassioned player interviews, <laughs> and you can't hit it with one light. Come on. It, uh, you know what? I'm boycotting Texas Show because of it. Wow. Ruined it for nice. me. Ruined the experience. No, uh, definitely they needed to put a light on that chick. No-brainer. No-brainer. Put a light on her. Come on, guys. This has been things Efren cares about way too much. Oh, I just got you my must favorite not like comment I've ever gotten in the chat. Um, <laughs> right here we have Clouderism saying, yeah, Donkey deserves a round of applause. I usually hate the guy, but he's pretty good at commentating. I love that. If you hate me, but you can still put that aside to compliment me on something, that means it's even stronger. Um, and shout out to your commentary, dog. I thought it was pretty strong. I know you've actually, you know, you care about it. You've been wanting to, to you know, dip your toe more into that game, and I thought you represented yourself well. Well, thank you. And uh, I think you could have made someone fall in love with you if they were just watching randomly. I yeah, think like that, somebody uh, who might even like secretly DM you and tell you that you're just so sexy, and, and your commentary is like, you know, getting her hot and bothered. Wow. I wonder. And that's intense. I, yeah, I feel like that might actually be something that I'm could happen. Specific. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure specific. I don't know why. Real, but I mean, it just it could like if it did, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if you told me that story. Yeah, I would almost feel like I'd heard it before. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Donka <laughs> got carried away on commentary. In my opinion, carried. it's Ultra David <laughs> got carried on commentary. It's true. Yeah, I, I, I actually can <laughs> only. I, I feel like that is a skill I need. Is like commentating with a great commentator like David or F word has always like been easy but like commentating to the occasion with what? someone who is you know newer has always been way harder for me because i'm kind of boring and i just parrot all the data of the game so i need someone entertaining next to me well that was actually one of the things that you know i don't want to keep blowing smoke up your butt and letting your ego get bigger like we're playing uh what is it uh jump ju dive kick and uh, yeah dive kick bigger. um but i thought that was one of the things i appreciated was that you were explaining the frame data and all that shit and making it easy to understand so all right, enough, Donka. Shoutouts, but enough. Um, John, you were watching from home, and you had a pretty uh, robust uh, recap article with cool clips and everything. What were your, some of your takeaways? Um, well, I mean, as far as gameplay, that, that all spoke for itself. It, it was great. You know, um, uh, we had a, a good variety of characters in the top eight, right? And there, there was a Kami, but there, there were plenty of others as well. Um, we saw a good mixture of different names, that being like, you know, you have your your Capcom Cup champions, right? And then you have your, like your Punk, who was really hot last year earlier on and then has kind of tapered off, but it's like, he's he's there, right? And then you have Chris T, who's been around, but has got really hot recently. And so you have all these different names of like different points in their career and, and different points in like um, their, their abilities. And it made for a very interesting and unpredictable top eight. Again, we talked about earlier how uh, both Ricky and Snake Eyes, who haven't been too much in the competitive light as of late, making their way back up to the top and things like that. So so the top eight itself was was very exciting to watch. Um, uh, luckily, Donka wasn't comp commentating top eight because yeah, I, I was just completely distracted uh, by his uh, supple supple voice. And oh, I don't know. I don't even know how to talk about it. Uh, but <laughs> the sultry voice. Sultry voice. His skin yes, is supple. Yes. I'm telling you, I'm sitting right and, next and to And his guy. beautiful hair. Don't forget the yeah, hair. Absolutely. The quaff. I mean, it's second to none. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, Steve, don't hate on the hair. As, but it was a good Hair doesn't do it for me. I don't know <laughs> why. 
you would. Uh, no, and then having like uh, having Ginny do the the interviews, those went over really well. Um, some players had more to say than others, and like they wouldn't say anything at all. Like you know, it was super dry. Dude, but it was hilarious. People, like, you heard it on the stream when somebody was like, "You guys suck," <laughs> when they like gave one word answers. Right, right, and that was perfect though. And. And so it made for a very entertaining watch outside of the gameplay, right? When you cut away to either the commentary analysis, to the crowd shots, to the player reactions, to the interviews, all of those things, it was still very entertaining as an entire package. And I think that that should hopefully become the standard for, for all of our major events moving forward. I'm going to try to download a video here uh, from the event. What was crazy for me, of course, was the Grand Finals, right? Uh, Dew versus Mena, and um, certainly that was, I think, at least a highlight for many people, certainly for me. Um, to my knowledge, Mena had not won, not yet won any CPT event, right? Well, no, because no, Birdie's a terrible character now, and he's, he's like the worst, and oh my gosh, what are you doing to him, Capcom? But uh, <laughs> Did you try to throw an accent on that? <laughs> no, I didn't try to throw an accent on that. <laughs> Um, and then, and then, I mean, in that same kind of vein, though, you had Chris T almost in tears with the Ken, you know, updates and stuff. But yeah, he's doing really good with that character and stuff. And we got to give a weekly uh, Chris T disc, so there's that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of want to go derail this. Well, too a big thing for this weekend to me was that we saw like the Kaba the Kaba drama get placed perfectly outside of that. You know, it Kaba went, drama, huh? It went from like I think it's exactly what everyone wanted, which is instead of doing it, you know, right next to someone and distracting them, doing it from the crowd. And from the crowd, instead of being distracting, it was incredibly uplifting. And it really brought people to to cheer for the event. And I thought it's it was a huge positive. You know, that became the thing to talk about immediately after. Like everyone appreciated the gameplay, absolutely. But Especially juxtaposing it against what happened at NCR with, of course, those who haven't heard, Cabo was rooting on Mena just like he would be doing at any other event, but he was very up close and he did it when uh, Cabo, or when Mena defeated Goichi, and Goichi, of course, had a problem with it because Cabo was too loud and too close. And Efren, you experienced it firsthand, right? You, you even said in the chat, I'm not sure if he was going overboard and being extra hyper, if that's just him. Kaba's is, is uh, yeah, I top. honestly was like, okay, but this, this, okay, I was in the room. This is what I experienced, and I wasn't sitting next to the guy, but I was, you know, in close proximity to him. Um, the people around Kaba were looking at him like, "You gonna be loud? You gonna be loud? You gonna start getting loud?" Yeah. And he wasn't being loud. And then he turned it on, and I was like, "Is he over the top doing it as a reaction to getting egged on, or is he really that loud?" I, this is the first time I experienced it. It was really loud. I, like, I will like just say, lose his voice in no time. He's one of the best guile players in the world, right? He's he's in the top ten right now for the CPT, and he's been a very strong guile player for quite some time. But I knew him very, very much as a loud rooter, you know, a loud <laughs> cheerleader type, um, more so than I knew him as a player. And I think that's that's true for most people, right? Because of how <laughs> how over the top he can be. Um, but uh, so so yeah, you would know him more as a cheerleader than you would as a player. But he's very much earning his stripes as a player as well, having won the uh, the Latin American Online tournament, came in second last week, and had a decent performance this this week. But um, yeah, so so you were getting at him, you know, cheering from the crowd and such. And so, we had such kind of an oh, go ahead. Oh, oh no, no, I thought you were uh, teaming me up. No, go ahead. Oh well, I mean, if you want to take it, that's fine. Um, well, just for, you were there. for out of context, the, the energy I was seeing, the back and forth, was then people started saying um, uh, something to do. What were they saying? 
Well, they wanted the reset. Let's right? go do. Let's go do. Reset. And now I had a question though. Could you, if you were at the venue, could you hear what the commentators were saying? Yeah. Was that being played over the PA? The, because you, you could hear it over the PA, but I could not make it. I never made it out once. Okay, well, because there was at one point, and it was during Grand Finals, where David uh, said something to the effect of, why isn't America, I want to hear America get behind right. you. And and so what you have at these events, and this is something that's happened, I think, since the beginning of fighting game tournaments, it very much happens here in my local scene all the time, you'll, you know, you'll all be under one FGC banner, right? We're all in the fighting game community, we understand that. But of course, when you've got two guys up there, you further the competition by kind of like splitting into to camps, right? And, mm -hmm. and like, I'm rooting on this guy, I'm rooting on this guy. I mean, however you want to divide it, you're his friend, you're part of the, the same scene as them, you know, you're, you're from the same place. This happened to be Dominican Republic versus uh, United States, right? And so David goes, um, you know, I, I want to hear America or I want to hear the U.S. chanting for Knuckledew. And of course, we already had Kaba and the Dominican Republic guys cheering very loudly, waving the flag and everything for Mena. And it became so, it enhanced everything when the crowd got into it. And it wasn't this negative thing. You know, because like we, we just recently visited Kaba and he kind of got one of his first big spotlights and it was in a negative light because of the Goichi thing. This time it was the same idea. It was just from a, an appropriate distance back. You got both crowds going for, for everything, right? Just just rooting for their guys. And it was an, a wonderful experience. And there could be that division uh, under the banner of everybody in the same FGC, but I'm on this side, you're on this side. And that just made it more competitive and more fun. Yeah, and I, I think... That. Yeah, and I think what made the weekend not just that it, not just that that happened, but that it culminated in a win for Men RD for a couple of reasons. One, this is a player where the storyline was, oh, his character got nerfed. Now he's nothing. Now he can't ride that mm -hmm. that brain dead character anymore. So, having him win just reminds people that hey, behind that that character, he's a very very good player. And personally, I just love when people go into hostile environments and perform. And what happened right at the end of the tournament where Mena got the win, he immediately hushed the crowd uh, while uh, Kaba came up with the Dominican flag. And then after everyone spent the entire round cheering, knuckle-do, knuckle-do, he turned around and started a knuckle-do chant. That is exactly the type of player, type of, well, not even a villain. This is my shot here. This is mine from my phone. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was perfect. But I couldn't tell you know, if he was trying to bust dude's chops or, or because it was like. He was busting the crowd's chops. Right. He was but, embracing that kind of like villainous, like, you guys don't yes. accept me. That's fine. Let me yes. turn it right back at you. And he did it in a way that you got, he still had charisma, right? And they might have booed him right there. And you could hear some of them actually start to do the knuckle dude chant with Cobb or with uh, Mena, not realizing, oh, he's mocking us. <laughs> and then they were <laughs> chanting it while he was leading them to do it. But that makes for damn good entertainment, right? Like, that's what most of the W. WWE uh, uh, appeal is. I mean, that's very the presentation and their physicality is great too. But the execution of the of the show, right, and getting these charismatic villains versus versus you know baby faces and things like that. I mean, we don't want to just we don't want to devolve into making it all about that. But when it appears kind of organically, like it did here, and like it can virtually at any tournament, um, and, and and you ride that wave appropriately, players like K. Bread, players like now we're seeing Mena. 
Um, being able to do that, that's going to make for such a boost in the entertainment factor, and that's really going to help in the whole scope of, of, of you know, just the FGC's esports look. So I think it's a really good thing. And it was entertaining on the back of those two actually being quite close. I mean, uh, Dew, oh, yeah. like, greatly, you know, like, congratulated Mena for winning, and Mena said that Dew is the reason mm -hmm. that he's a level of player he is now. So they're that close, and they're still able to have a emotion-filled grand finals is, is cool. Because oftentimes, yeah. uh, it, it, oftentimes, you know, if you see two people who know each other that well, it, it really fizzles out a lot. But this time it didn't. The, uh, then the little interview ahead of time when uh, he brought out, Uncle Dew brings out his wallet to, sh to say... Um, my sponsor, right? <laughs> they cut to, to men and he's like, all I know is that Walt was empty. It was hilarious, man. He's like owning that, that, that persona. It was really great. Um, anything else about Texas Showdown before we get into the great East Birchware or some Michael Martin point structure response or some Marvel's Capcom Infinite sold under 100,000 sales this past quarter. Um, that's one that I know you're excited about. Or the evil leaderboard with the signs and names or how many <laughs> signups. Or how about the Summit of Power voting update? Or the Dragon Ball Fighters patch note. Donko walked Just into this studio. Donko walked into this studio today before the show was like, I'm pissed. I like, am What's pissed. wrong, dude? I'm th that patch. Maybe we should talk about the patch. Let's go to yeah, patch. let's do that. All right, the patch sucks. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> DFZ patch came out and I think it was a lot smaller than people were expecting based on what they had said was going to happen. They Go talked on. about system changes, they talked about character balance updates, and in reality, uh, the big meme is that it was a bunch of bug fixes, except mm. for a couple characters. Most characters got nothing of note, basically no one was buffed, and the system mechanics seemed to be essentially identical outside of a few glitches being removed. Mm -hmm. um, notably, Android 16, who is definitely one of the higher tier characters, but maybe more so in a Wesker-ish way where he doesn't seem to actually be as good as the top three or so, got nerfed pretty hard. Mm. He had you know, a grappler knockdown that you had to guess out of and they're getting rid of that. So he's Does he have anything else? I, I, I'm, like, I'm not a DBFZ player, right? So, so I, mean, I can appreciate the fact that Android 16 had hard knockdowns and that made him a huge threat. It's not as big of a deal now as it was, and, and by now I mean that players have started to figure that out and they're finding that, yeah, that's good, but that's not everything. But it was like the talk of the town for a while. So we see Bandai Namco uh, uh, nerfing that and getting rid of that. Does he have anything else though to fall back on outside of like, I guess he has armored moves that that can come into play, that right? That's also but got nerfed a little bit, he I be... that. Oh, well, yeah, so is he, did they just take away everything that the character had? Is he just gonna be I the shell? I think he'll shell? be okay. Is it, is it after the explosion and he's just this head on the ground and like when, he, when like, if you pick him, he's just a head on the ground that can't do anything? Well, that's the meme um, is that Cell, who was definitely better than him, didn't get touched, like completely unnerfed. And so there's the scene where Cell stomps on 16's face and that's pretty much, the story of the patch. I think he'll be okay, but he's certainly going to go down at least a tier, if not two. He won't be top tier. Gohan, I feel like Gohan got ahead, nerfed yeah. too, and that would be, I think, the one people were more appreciative of. They nerfed him less severely. They got rid of, like, you know how he has those really long block strings where he kicks you a million times in the air? They made the kicks less plus, so he probably won't be able to do those block strings anymore. So that one seemed okay. I think people are just upset that they hyped up a patch and they really just kind of killed a character and didn't do anything else. And and the the story and the idea that people are going with is kind of similar to season 3.5 with Street Fighter V, 
where there weren't a lot of buffs. They took away a couple top tier characters, and now the characters who were top tier that didn't get nerfed are just going to be the top tiers. So I Kid Buu and Cell, the, the big idea is that Kid Buu, Cell, and Bardock and Vegeta are probably going to be gods. Well, in the chat, DVT says, uh, come play Marvel. We don't have patches anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. What you see is what you get, right? Yeah. I, I feel like, and I'm not an expert here, like, because I said I don't play the game, but it feels like the 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 expectations for this patch, and then what we're seeing on paper, albeit that the paper is a little bit vague. It's, a lot of it's like we fixed this thing, which was yeah. similar to like what we got from the street, recent Street Fighter Five patch. Um, so so we'll wait until we actually get our hands on the game before we can make full judgments, but. Based on like what the expectations were for Cell to get nerfed, for for um, you know a lot of these characters that were lower tier to get buffed, and like the the relative like it's just a bug patch, um, I would feel like the pitchforks uh, should be coming out, and I and I don't feel like they are. Maybe they are. Just they are the in right the channel. DBZ community. Yeah, if you look, okay. I, almost even people whose characters didn't get nerfed seem to be upset about this. I honestly haven't seen a positive comment about the patch. And. They, and well, yeah, I'm just saying because like, because like, there hasn't been much negativity to be thrown at Bandai Namco, and they've been hitting home runs left and right, right, especially with Dragon Ball Fighters. Um, but I feel like what's gonna? I'm interested to see how people are gonna handle this kind of a negative thing, like maybe a misstep by them. I'm not I, sure, but it's worrisome because yeah. I mean the the character variety in the game is already pretty weak, right? I mean, uh, K, KSB top eight at eight Vegetas. All eight people played mm -hmm. Vegeta's. We never saw that in Marvel 3. Never once, even in like the history of any small regional event, did you see eight of the same character. No, there's um, not eight Dooms, nothing like that. No, that never, never did we have no, eight no. Dooms. It was, you, you, yeah. get a, you get four maybe at some times, but even then, we had very few repeat characters even among Evo champions. But we're already mm -hmm. at that point, and for them to remove a few of the good characters from the list, it just seems like it's going to be even less character variety than we have already. Uh, I, I guess the thing that bothered me the most is that they nerfed a few really small things that seemed like fun things the characters had. Like, Gotenks could re-stand you with his assist, and Piccolo could cross you up with his. And they got rid of both of those, despite those characters not really being considered amazing. So, mm. I, I don't know. They, I feel like it was a really poorly targeted patch. And I feel like, hopefully, they, they take the lesson from this. But we'll see. Well, now he asks in the chat, didn't Vegeta assist get nerfed? Vegeta assist well, did get nerfed, and that's going to be the yeah. one that we have to see. I'm uh, a lot of people are of the opinion that he's still probably going to be the best assist. Although any nerf to him is probably good for the game, but that one we'll have to wait and see. That that could be the biggest the biggest patch note. Maybe Vegeta assist sucks, and you pick Goku Black instead. And, and, like, the only information given, though, was fairly vague, right? It basically might as well have said that, well, it's the, the lockdown from the from the animation, right? Like, he throws six fireballs at you. The idea is the lockdown's a little bit less, right? The so idea, yeah, so stuff. it's going to do less. When, like, every ball makes the screen freeze a little bit, right? And it gives you more time to advance at them. And the, the freeze will be less. So it seems like you won't be able to make them block Vegeta from full screen, and then dash all the way at them and get a good block string going. That mm -hmm. seems like the nerf. It seems like but, everything but else about we don't it will even be the know same. But we don't for really sure know exactly what's going to happen. Like maybe they come in at a different angle. Probably not because that. Yeah, maybe maybe there's less of them. Maybe you block it and now you can super dash out of it. Those things would all change the game a lot. So we, yeah. we won't know until tomorrow. So uh, one other thing that I forgot to mention at Texas Showdown was the nonstop crowd playing Soul Calibur. They had a demo there, uh, courtesy, if I'm not mistaken, of Markman bringing it in, and there was some people playing. 
moving on from that, let's uh, discuss the point structure response. Uh, Steve, if you wouldn't mind teeing that up for us. I think, John, you also watched it and I think wrote something on it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we yeah. have a substantive conversation on why it's the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> so we talked about last week uh, the fallout from this idea of how Capcom restructured their points uh, for the... 2018 tour uh michael martin uh who is the who is involved with the esports uh communication side came out with a wake up wednesday video to help explain some of the thinking behind their decisions uh he also clarified the uh regional finals so let's start with that um there was a little bit of confusion as to what that would be uh we actually have a graphic that we can pull up real quick yes uh yeah should be the first one yep there we go so he clarified that it's a two-day event which we already knew um there will be it's two separate tournaments the first one is a premier event that's open to anyone in the world who shows up if you if you place in the top uh, 48, you get points towards the global leaderboard. Uh, the one thing they clarified is that in terms of uh, being a regional event, it counts as a ranking event towards that region's leaderboard. So, example, <laughs> if, uh, if, Mike, you go out to uh, the regional final and you win it, you get 700 points for the global leaderboard. But in terms of figuring out who makes the regional final on day two, uh, you get 150 points towards that. So, little but that's bit, of course only if you are of that region, right? Correct. So if if uh, Tokido came in and won, he'd get the 700 points for the global leaderboard, but he would not be eligible to earn anything for the regional leader. It's okay. I'll just get 700 ranking top eights instead. You do that, um, and then regional finals uh, make up day two that will be the top eight players in the region determined after uh the conclusion of the day one premier event and then whoever wins that qualifies for capcom cup if they're already qualified through points that spot will pass down to the top player uh in the region who is not qualified so being near the top of the regional leaderboard uh is important uh, right. And and then he went into some of Capcom's thinking for why they changed the point structure from 2017 to 2018. Uh, here's one of his quotes. He said, quote, our expectation was for 2017, 400 points would be enough. If you want a premier event, 400 points would be enough to qualify for Capcom Cup. Unfortunately, that was not the case. What simulation not- did they? OK, never mind. Just keep going. <laughs> The amount of points you needed far exceeded our expectations, and a player needed at least 700 points to make it into Capcom Cup at the end of the year. So we crunched numbers, we ran various scenarios, and concluded that for our current format achieves the goal for bringing inflation down while at the same time maintaining the competitive nature of the Capcom Pro Tour. So in essence, they wanted a system where if you won a premier event, you were in Capcom Cup. Um, to which Elon, our TD, said, well, why not just bring back the autoqualifiers? That was my thought. but that, I thought that also as well. <laughs> it appears that we I, all had that thought. 
I don't know why, um, but I kind of get what they were trying to do. I don't agree with it. I think the system was uh, pretty close to perfectly fine as is as it was last year. Um, but more so, I'm 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 not so bothered with you know the thinking behind it. I, I'm more bothered as to the effect, and this is something I've said before. Uh, the big effect of nerfing uh, ranking events to this degree is that you're telling people that these events don't matter. You're, you're hurting not just the perception of those, those events, but also the attendance. You know, my fear is that as we get farther and farther in the season, people who are who aren't necessarily getting these first and second place finishes are thinking, man, do I really want to go all the way over to uh, Brazil or to England to get, you know, five or to get 10 points if I don't win. And that hurts those events too. The, Cause they're the ones who need the big names to come out in order to spur, you know, local players to come out and, drive those numbers up. So I think they're really hurting that aspect of the tour and they're, and the benefit to the premier events doesn't make up for that in my mind. I'm just trying to figure out what weird echo chamber they're in that everyone thought last year's system didn't work. I mean, they seem upset with the fact that you needed 700 points, but I don't think anyone else is upset with the fact that you needed 700 points. Like, I didn't hear one person say, like not one person, that the people who qualified last year didn't deserve it based on the point system or that someone who didn't make it did deserve it. It seemed like it worked perfectly okay. So I'm confused where they got the idea that they needed to change that. Like just because their numbers were wrong? I don't really know. See, I, I get the idea of thinking that, you know, there that there wasn't enough separation between ranking and premier. I mean, because of the sheer number of ranking events compared to premieres that, you know, winning a premier event wasn't as big of a deal as they necessarily wanted it to be. Um, I just feel like this year they, they took the hammer too far. You know, you, you can take away some of the points in, ranking events okay you can add points to premier events that's fine but doing both and doing them to the degree that they did i don't think i i don't understand why that was the case i have a bone to pick at large when were we before this damn tour if you can't show up to your regionals or show up to your tournaments then is that the pro tour's fault I'm sure it doesn't help if it's uh, disincentivizing uh, to the pro players. But that shouldn't stop you from going FGC. Support your local scenes. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, my, my takeaway from all of this was, uh, well, the first thing that came to my mind was the, the whole one point, um, like the point of pride, right? And we've talked about that at length and make jokes about it. It's almost a meme at this point in the FGC, no pun intended. Um, but like last week, I think we talked about one frame link. Did we talk about it on the show? One frame link coming out and say, you know, like we actually organized 
the uh, the structure. I actually have it in front of me right now. I'll just read it. One frame link says the point of offering one point is to give players who may not normally get on the CPT leaderboard an opportunity to do so. A lot of players see it as a point of pride slash accomplishment just to get on the board. So that comes out as like the explanation for that, right? And then uh, just like the next day or two later, Michael Martin comes on and he says, you know, he he said it much more to the effect of. No, that one point will matter, and and like just with the way that things are set up, that's more of like a that that one point will make a can be a decisive factor and deciding factor into whether or not a player makes it in or gets a certain seating. And actually, um, as we looked at the results um, and the current standings right now, a single point um, given like for certain players that are all like tied for like 29th or whatever, that would make be a big difference maker, right? So we'll see if that actually becomes the case at the end of the year when it actually matters. But I say all that to say you have one frame link on one hand that's saying one message, and then you have Capcom on the other hand saying a whole other message. And they're either one is either lying, or more likely they're just not in enough communication to to get you know on the same page about this. Either way, it's not a good look for this. You know, it's not a professional look to have these two con like basically conflicting ideas or explanations for this thing. Um, and and that was like kind of the first thing that I took away from all this. It's like, man, come on, guys, get get your get your act together. Yeah, in all, in all fairness, uh, one frame link came out a little later and clarified that what they were what they were talking about was the existence of a tier of one point, not necessarily the placement of that tier. Oh, okay. So, like, they so, had that last year as well for, like, 33rd place or whatever it was. Right. And that this year, that that happens to be 7th place at ranking events. So, sure. that's I guess that's fair, too. Um, so, Javi, hopefully... Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Javi T.O. in our chat says, T.O. of Tushan says, Top 8 should get 10 points minimum. Uh, Intron Depot says, you should get 1 point for entering an event. <laughs> Participation you know trophy. I mean? <laughs> I think in both both instances, ultimately, like the players that do well, like the best players are going to be the ones that get in because everybody's in the same boat. They're playing by the same rules, right? So maybe it's a bigger deal than we've been making it. And I know we've broken it down on the show before, and maybe we've kind of gotten to the bottom of that more or less. But it just feels like hopefully we can kind of move forward from here. And and but again, I, I also think that like you guys were kind of getting at a second ago. Maybe we revert back to last year's thing and just count this as like a yeah, well we thought we could make it better, it didn't really work. That's part of the whole understanding and learning process. You know, success is built on a bunch of stepping stones of failure or whatever. And and we just would whatever, just end up doing what's best for the tour. Next year is another year, right? Of the CPT. Um any other thoughts there on the point structure? Uh, I think we kinda killed that one at this yeah, point. Yeah. Seems uh RIP. Some interesting choices there. Capcom is Trump and one frame link is Giuliani or is it the other way around? I'm not going to go there. That's a <laughs> bit of a stretch. <laughs> Let's talk about religion too. Yeah, kidding. Um, our boy Steve Ace King Officer Jurek is going to drag us into this conversation. The great esports FGC Twitter war uh, started by none other than Dickie Lou, Richard Lewis, and what's the, how do you speak his name? What's that? Dog from uh, Wretch for uh, Kotaku now? Ian. Yeah. That's the guy. Um, yeah. you, you, we were like off and on talking about it in the chat, and it, it always started this way in our, in our group chat. Um, have y'all been following this shit? And all of us were like, no, not really. 
And Steve would go like, yeah, me either. Should we talk about this? <laughs> um, and that happened a couple of times. Um, what would you like to talk about, Steve? Well, I just feel like we almost have to because of how pervasive it was to the conversation within the FGC over this past weekend. Um, for those of you who don't know, Richard Lewis is the now former host of the of E-League. Uh, he announced not too long ago that he was stepping away from the program. He didn't specify a reason, but uh, he would later go on to uh, his own stream and basically say that uh, it was a lot of harassment and or shit that he was catching uh, on behalf of his program, on behalf of E-League, eSports in general, from the FGC being opposed to what they're doing, being opposed to their presence. Uh, so that was sort of the backdrop for all of this. Um, I'm still not 100% sure what the flashpoint was, but there were some insults made by, towards Richard Lewis. There were insults made by Richard Lewis, uh, things that were perceived as threats, things that actually were threats, just a whole lot of BS. I noticed we don't even happened. have slides for the worst things he said. But. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I've been rude that, to uh, people with anime avatars and to people of the furry community, even more rude than I was the other day when I said that I didn't understand it. Um, do you want me to read these quotes out that you, uh, that you selected? Well, I, I think before we do that, I think that it's sort of indicative of a lot of the arguments that go on on social media where people are so tied up in fighting and arguing and being on the winning team that legit points, you know, legitimate points of view, whether you agree with them or not, get wrapped up in a whole bunch of needless name calling and negative negativity where it really takes away from the conversation and drives it into places where it doesn't really help anybody. Yeah. You know? Well, as far as I'm concerned, he doesn't deserve to have his point heard, but <laughs> well, tribalism. And, and, and I think, you know, the, there's just, there are some points where even if you don't agree, you can sort of say, huh, well, that makes sense. But then it gets wrapped in some, some stupidness, like the quote I have here. Um, he went on his show talking about why the FGC really hasn't grown. Uh, do you have that quote up? Yeah. All right, let's take a look at the first part. Uh, on his stream, he said, he was pointing at Daigo, and he said, Daigo Umahara is an effing legend in esports, not just fighting games. His career earnings are like $175,000. It's insane. You have Counter-Strike players who, who play one year and make more than that. Why wouldn't you want a bigger, better economy for your pros? Why wouldn't you want that? I don't get it. Why wouldn't why you wouldn't want that? It's a point that's worth discussing. And then immediately he brings um, some unneeded negativity to, to distract from the discussion. Hold it. He Before says, you distract me with this separate point, um, he's saying that this guy, is he saying his tournament winnings are 100 He's saying his tournament winnings. Because he yeah. makes a shit ton more than that every year. He makes like year. three times more than that a year. Okay, yeah. I'm just pointing <laughs> that out. <laughs> that it's not like he's, you know... My wallet knuckle do having to sponsor himself, right? All right. So anyway, second part of this the diatribe. The uh, second part is sort of indicative of this entire thing. He, he goes on to say, well, I do. I know why you want that. 
because then the pros might separate themselves and you will be insignificant again. Mm -hmm. You will never be able to tell that one story about how you played the pro. Oh, I had a great series. I took two games off of him. No one cares, mate, least of all the pro. They don't give a F. You are literally holding them back so that you can have that anecdote. <laughs> Damn. Well, 90, How do you feel about that, well, Duncan? Ninety-nine percent of the people who are who are love these open tournaments aren't even players who will ever play against these people. So I don't understand. That, that, that just seems like an irrelevant point. I can yeah, yeah. There's probably a few people who are like competitive but not pros who have had those thoughts. And I mean, he's not completely wrong in that sense, but. To, to project that onto everyone seems ridiculous. Question. I think a lot of the people who like the open tournaments have never entered one. Question here. Um, how long does your average Counter-Strike match last? Anybody know? I mean, it depends on the game. They're really short. More than parts. five minutes? Yeah, the whole well, match? Yeah. It's, us it's usually, you know, like 30 rounds, where and an individual round might take like between one and two minutes, but it's 15 and then... Yeah. Uh, 15. And how then many people yeah, do you need to successfully play Counter-Strike? 5v5, is it? Four it's five five. Okay. Five, five. How many people have to play Street Fighter to have a match? Two. Two. 1v1. And how long do those matches go? What do you mean? Uh, what I'm getting at is that no other, well, few other popular esports can even um, I agree, yeah. They can't, they can't the support bracket. an open bracket. We're the only people who um. can well, okay, so we, we should clarify something really quick, just the, the implication here um, of what Lewis is saying is that, like, it's between the open bracket, the, the major tournament as we know, and then, like, I guess the invitational, right, where you just pick 8, 16, 32 pros to just come and, and play each other, um, and where you can have, you know, your Red Bull Kumite or, or your, I mean, even Capcom Cup, technically, right? Even It's an invitational yeah. in the sense that you have to qualify for it, but um, where you just have your select pros to play versus an all-day or three-day event worth of a thing where, where you have, you know, your, your traditional major. So I think that's the kind of what we're, we're discussing right now, right? Well, I, I think this is an important uh, uh, note to make. You know, the, his argument in, in this entire thing is that he's not arguing against open brackets. He, he wants more invitationals to exist. We have more um, invitationals every year. And, and, he's, and he's saying that a lot of the pushback is from people assuming that more invitationals mean fewer open bracket events. And that a lot of the people who are criticizing that are pulling that unfairly out of what he's trying to say. But when you frame it again, or when you follow that up with, the thing he followed it up with, it it gets very easy to get wrapped up in that. It gets very easy to just write it off as a significant or as just insulting something he doesn't know. And I think there's something to it. You know, we have the expectations that we have as viewers, as players uh, for events have been rising and rising every year. And yet a lot of us are against a lot of the common ways for events to make money, you know? So it, it becomes a situation where do we want both sides of the, are we trying to write both sides of the fence? Do we want more and more while not allowing tournaments or not encouraging tournaments to put that infra infrastructure in place to get more? Um, you know, there was something that came up in our group chat 
um, that I thought was interesting, and that was we need the opinions, the true opinions of the pro gamers. That might be an interesting element in this conversation. Um, how do the top pro players feel about this, right? Because he's like uh, pointing a finger at the average pop monster, which I, just as a small side, I don't think it's technically accurate because you can go to a tournament and not get your set, but still get your selfie and shake your hand and be like, dude, I met Justin Wong or whatever. Um, what do you think? How about this? Richard Lewis is mad because people were pissed off about E-League. E-League was an event where they invited the wrong people to the thing all the, all the fucking time, and that's what people complained about. No one complained about the fact that there were invitational tournaments. People want more invitational tournaments. I, don't, I have not heard almost anyone, as long as they don't forego open brackets for it, complain about invitationals. People complained about the way that invitational was run in a lot of ways. And, you know, congrats. Richard Lewis said, I don't even know where we're going with this. I feel like no one, people just are hating on him, and he's acting like they're hating on his point. And I don't really think that's what's happening. I don't and really I think, think anyone disagrees with this point that hard. It, it, it's a whole bunch of BS, you know. People are hating on him because they want to dunk on him. He's dunking on people because he wants to dunk on people. There, he's not the, just the, dunking on people, though. He got so mean this weekend. It was just outright ridiculous. He's calling people mentally you know, d disabled, basically, for their beliefs and what they like. Uh, the, the guy shouldn't be talked about at all, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, and that's sort of the sad thing, because there's a lot of important things that need to come up. And a lot of aspects of this conversation, we're approaching those things, but then it becomes so wrapped up in this negativity, so wrapped up in this stupidity in a lot of cases that it just gets buried behind, you know, wanting to dunk on somebody. So, oh, kind of like our politics and stuff like that. <laughs> but, but, but again, I'm sorry to bring it back to this, but uh, you were implying because you know you're trying to get us to face these hard truths. Hey, let's look past mm -hmm. the fact that we like this guy or don't like this guy, and actually listen to what he's saying, right? Uh, Richard Lewis hinted at pros favoring more invitationals but not wanting to say so publicly. If we could find, uh, obviously I get it, they're not, nobody would want to say that, um, although you could probably find somebody to say it. Um, Just go to say, Chris G or uh, Filipino Champ first. Yeah, I was thinking F Champ, right? I was thinking F Champ. <laughs> like, he'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah, I wish the I could have more. The pros want it, but how will we monetize it? I mean, the, the ones that are successful are successful, and the ones that aren't have died. I think the more, like, as long as an invitational is something that people will watch and somehow sponsor, then they'll happen and we'll like them. I just don't understand why the point even needs to be made. I think do? it's an argument. It's a discussion. It's uh, for the future. This is like we haven't made it to this fork in the road yet, and we might not come to this fork in the road, but the idea is the implication is we might get to this point where, like, the the suits those in power those that are putting money down are like well we're just going to do all invitationals or, or whatever and then and then you have like the uh, the traditional major the open kind of go away and then we're like oh no we don't want that to happen most of the community right um, uh, and so it's like it's more of like a what if the path that we're seemingly on right now leads to this but I do agree that we're kind of getting our panties in a bunch before we even get to the point where we should it's like it's good to be aware but we probably don't need to be investing this much I agree urgency into that debate considering we're not there yet um, well, and we might not get there so. yeah don't you think like with street fighter 5 you know the big game coming out with dragon ball z the big game coming out don't you think that if it was going to happen it would have happened by we now we just got an invitational the summit for dragon ball z and everyone we're seems fucking thrilled about it 
but what I mean is, you know, this idea that a lot of people expected that, you know, once 2016 hit, that esports would strap uh, a rocket to the back of oh, fighting man. games and take it to the moon. You know, and that hasn't happened. You know, we, it kind of got there and then it kind of fell back. And, you know, so I don't know. Is it, you know, is it going to happen? When, we going- when Final Round says or when Combo Breaker says we're getting rid of our open bracket because we will make more money and it will be better because we do it as an invitational. That's when I think we have to worry. Well, there's probably not going to be a final round anymore as, or, as or, it yeah. is. So, yeah, but is that because of the same reasons we're talking about right now, or is that because final round? Let's use didn't... let's use combo breaker as an example, maybe, or something like so a tournament that didn't shit all over itself. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, the the combo breaker CEO they seem to be flourishing, right? And I think Texas showed up. If I'm not mistaken, Texas showed up. They just broke even. Uh, well, I don't know how much, uh, well they did, but I don't think they took a loss. But I I should point out that like final round, you know. A lot of their problems in 2016. Now they they had problems that had nothing to do with dealing with the growth, uh, that had been problems in the past. But a lot of the issues they dealt with were because, you know, people expected so much out of this tournament and it wasn't able to deliver that. Hey, now I'm blocking here. Were they that they weren't set up for success just because of being the first event on? You know, on the calendar after Street Fighter V's launch. So maybe, you know, if if those if that was in place, then you wouldn't necessarily have them, you know, struggling right away. You know, I I, I think it's worth discussing. I want to discuss this. Bloomtoon just uh, gave us a sub, and uh, the message was he subs for Steve's E League Challenger recaps. <laughs> hey, I well, watch it. Something good. I, I watch it so that if you don't want to, you don't have to. Um, Thank you. Your sacrifice will not go unnoticed. Uh, it, it, is it, I feel like I can appreciate on some level people getting really butthurt about Richard Lewis's potential hard truths, right? For example, um, not for example, but just in the context of it is a really, really old scene, right? Um, it has been a certain way for a really, really long time. A lot of that is couched in the grassroots and the pride of it being grassroots. I'm not saying there's no esports infiltration and that uh, there isn't a lot uh, to be gained there and that there aren't some of our leaders in this community like in Alex Valle who's, you know, dipped his toe in that and been successful and we, you know, we're happy for that. Um, but the idea to shit all over that and say that we're just like wanting to hold on to that uh, to our own detriment is missing why we somebody would want to do that, right? Um, Speaking of Alex Valle, I remember 09er days. He came to Arcade UFO for something. And I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was uh, some South by Southwest thing, of all things, of, of, speaking of esports. And I got my interview. I had my camera out. And I'm talking to him about the culture and how he rolled in Austin. The first thing he does is show up with Fubar Duck. And, you know, they crash at each other's places. If you want to go to another town and play some sets, there's always a bed you can stay at. I feel like that is also tied up to this idea of grassroots and the strong community ties. And when you threaten that or talk shit about that or belittle that or say that it's holding you back, it's like, man, fuck this guy. Right? Um, that's where I think he's missing the point. Um, there's a lot more to uh, this scene than making money. Um, Man, there's a lot to unpack there, but I I do think you missed that point. 
That's all I got, guys. Yeah, and a lot of that, what he's going to say there, the, especially the inflammatory things like that, which are very much, like, there are parts that are clear that he's saying it out of an anger and frustration and from a place of pride than it is, like, that I'm trying to make things better. Um, so you got to kind of, like, you know, sift through all of that. And, and I agree, like, like that wasn't worded very well and it didn't help very much, right? And there's a pretty clear counter-argument to it. Counter argument to it. But uh, like what Steve's saying, there are some really legitimate things that we have to at least, you know, take into account, answer and, and, and have or have an answer for. Um, so and, and that's legit. But again, all of this is probably stuff that might come up down the road. And and with, you know, only having like final round being the, the big issue, um, like like the the standard or I'm sorry, the example and not having like CEO and combo regular those those events continuing to thrive. Texas showdown doing great last weekend. I think we can hold off with, uh, you know, kind of like growing more gray hairs or losing our hair over this for the time being. And uh, on that point, um, you want to talk about Gfinity, Steve? <laughs> I kind of do. Um, so we talked about that season uh, coming to a close last week and naming there. Now, now, uh, now, remind us what Gfinity is again, just uh, in case somebody doesn't know. Gfinity is uh, your. It was a weekly, or it still is because there's going to be a fourth season, a European esports event um, that has three different games. One of them is Street Fighter V, uh, and it uses the team format. You have teams of seven players, I believe, seven or eight. Um, each week, you select three uh, to play a match uh, against one of the other teams. Uh, whoever wins four games out of the first to seven uh, gets the win. Uh, top teams advance to the playoffs. Um, and then you have your champion, which this past season was Nordavin, which was the team that uh, 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 Phenom. Phenom. Yeah. Yes, I can. I, I was going to get there. <laughs> uh, so, and, and this kind of brought me to, um, it, it sort of ties in to uh, the, our previous discussion because one of the points that was brought up was that a lot of sponsors are afraid to invest in players. A lot of teams are afraid to invest in players because they're worried about not being able to have their name on stream if a player gets knocked out early um, in open tournaments. So events like Invitationals are more pleasing. Events like this where not only do you have a player sponsor but you own the team obviously that's more uh beneficial for sponsors so they're more likely to invest into something like this so it, it's a bit more appealing so you know team events like this could be on uh could become a bit more commonplace uh there were a few things from this past season that i didn't like obviously the the fact that it was on um Facebook instead of Twitch was a bit upsetting, although I don't know how much Facebook is involved in the production. So that may be uh, that may be a benefit for where the benefit of that outweighs the loss of Twitch views, um, especially since it also airs on TV in the in the UK. Um, but where I think they fell a little short this year is in the team format. Um it was too easy for one player to dominate. You know, you have Phenom where if, if a set goes seven, the full seven games, one player can go through, can play three. So if you've got Phenom on your team, 
all the other guys have to do is win one game and and you go undefeated. So I feel like having more players involved, um, you know, maybe expanding to uh, five players on for a match instead of just three would make it harder to carry or for one player to just carry the entire team. Uh, it, that also sort of ties into this idea that the biggest thing they thought was that the perception was that it wasn't a big deal. Uh, there was one week, the final week of the regular season, where uh, CCL's team sent in nothing but uh, their backups, even though this was the week that determined whether or not they make the playoffs because there was a CPT event that weekend and all of the first-choice players were there instead of the team, uh, with the team. So if that if that happens, what sort of message does that send the viewer? Um, so I hope they're able to adjust the schedule so it doesn't run opposite the CPT so that we can see the best players uh, all the time. And I hope they, you know, expand it so that the team aspect is more important and it feels more like a team event versus a handful of individual matches. And and you got to, um, you know, th- there's definitely room for improvement with all of this stuff, you know, but you also have to take into account um, that this is still an emerging and new and evolving in its early stages kind of an entity with the whole, how are we going to embrace all of these new events? How are we going to, you know, balance doing both, um, you know, open bracket and invitationals and, and you know, a, an entity like Gfinity, like where does that have its place? And then, you know, how much time should we, do, you know, all of those things. Those are details that will, if these things continue, get ironed out. And you got to expect that there's going to be clashes and stuff, clashes and things like that um, in these early stages. So uh, not to say that, like, don't keep evolving and don't keep getting better, but I understand that these kind of things are going to happen. Uh, let's just continue to move forward, learn from them, find the appropriate amount of time to de- uh, you know, devote to this thing versus this thing versus that thing. And hopefully in the not too distant future, we can get a good balance and a good variety going on and everyone will be happy. That brings us to the end of the show. Uh, I did want to give a shout out to one of our longtime viewers, Johnny Beaver for the win. He told me over the weekend at Texas Showdown, I have one sub to give. I used to. I broke my streak. I think he said like two years of subbing to Max's channel every month. He gave it to us. Fuck you, Max. We took one of Max's <laughs> yes. subscribers. Thank you. Shout out to for the win. Streak. Take that, Maximilian. You should have given him four bucks or whatever so he could just do both. <laughs> but it's better that he didn't. Um, Can we cover the last two news bits real quick? What yeah. you got, dog? Um, one, uh, Blaze Blue Tag demo launches tonight slash tomorrow. Uh, if you are, if you pre-order the game on uh, PSN, you get access to the demo a few days early. Uh, it will be a completely open demo on, uh, excuse me, on uh, May 12th. So it will run through the 14th, and then after that, there will be an offline demo uh, that's open for all. You'll have four players available uh, or four characters available unless you've pre-ordered the game. Then you'll have 20 characters available on that. And then the other thing is that uh, we're getting down to the nitty gritty in terms of uh, the summit. Voting for the summit is down to 20 players. Uh, Tomorrow it will cut down to 16. So Go to smash.gg slash SOP uh, to get your votes votes in. 
the voting will run through the 16th uh, over several rounds. Uh, May 14th is when the first of the five players get voted into the summit. So be sure to follow that. Cool. Thank you for those last bits of news. And thank you, everybody home for watching. Anybody who saw, anybody who followed, anybody who gave us some bits, and anybody who watched, we're grateful. And we'll be here again in one week's time. Bye, guys.